Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Oh, that's Midwestern for sorry, excuse me, pardon me, and a whole host of other things. I just wanted to scooch right in here real quick and give you a heads up that the audio quality on this episode is not perfect. But hey, sometimes that happens when your guest is calling in from a remote Scottish island. So dreamy. So consider this your disclaimer that we know, we're sorry, but we hope you enjoy the episode. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, my friends, to Shared History Under the Kilt. It's your favourite Scottish history podcast. <laughs> well, it's mine already. <laughs> I'm Adam McNamara. And I'm Natalie Younger. And we are your hosts on this journey through some lesser-known history. So, Natalie, tell me, what is under the kilt today? Um, I don't know if I want to tell you. I'm a little embarrassed. Go on. It's a Scottish penny whistle. What? what? So, just a wee, just a wee Highland flute. It's a small little. And sp- what? Why? I don't know. It seemed like a good way to carry it, sneak it in someplace, play some live music. <laughs> Having a wee Kelly. Yep. Is that what's under your kilt? Because that's what's under my kilt. No, no, that's not what's under the kilt. Today oh, wow. we have got. Um, you know, I was thinking about how to introduce this guest, but, you know, talking about the stuff that he's done, it would probably take up the majority of the show. So, um, he is a fantastic actor and writer. Folks, it is Brian McCardy. Brian, thank you so much for Hi. coming on the show. Hi, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. <laughs> The dulcet tones of McGardy right there. Aye. <laughs> so how's, what's, what's been happening? Um, well, I've just moved to the Isle of Bute um, to live, which is just off the coast of Argyll in the Western Isles. Um, that, sounds, that sounds a bit shite. <laughs> it's absolutely, absolutely staggeringly gorgeous. I bet. And it's got, there's there are, five different bays with beaches on them. There's a little marina and there's a separate bay where I now live on the bay. Brian, oh, wow. can you paint me a picture uh, of like what what it's like and what you can do on a Scottish beach? Sure. Well, we had uh, like 80 degrees all week last week. So I went there and there there's, there's a mile long beach and like 12 people on it. Sandy Beach, oh. so um, so it kind of overwhelmed me. You know, yeah. it was a bit too much freedom. <laughs> so I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and and I drove on the same afternoon because I'm new to the island. I drove to uh, four of the different beaches, and they were similarly abandoned. Uh, and so then I started to convince myself because it's my new home 
this is like being a fucking billionaire, isn't it? This is like, <laughs> this is like my island. Every yeah. beach you know, is your private beach. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you want to go for a, do you want to go for a walk in the woods? You probably won't meet anybody. There's nobody fucking lives here. <laughs> And that's really everyone's dream, right? To like be able to leave their house and do things and not have to see another fucking person. (laughs) Right, right. Well, that's what like, that's what billionaires pay for is the privacy and the exclusivity. And Mm -hmm. I have it here. Amazing. So So how long have you been there for? Are you talking like weeks? weeks. Oh, right. Wow. Amazing, man. Yeah, I love it. So tell me, Brian, um the most recent thing that you've um, that's been on the TV has been Time, um, yes, and it's been re- re- so well received. And I watched it myself, and it was it was very 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 good. Um, how was that? How how was that as an experience? Uh, you know, from your you know longevity in the in the industry. Well, um, I think that no one, everyone was flying by the seat of their pants during the pandemic yeah. when this started you know and then the job offer came out of, out of the blue and and you know jimmy mcgovern is a master of writing uh two things basically he, he manipulates your empathy and your morality uh, involving you in these situations which are very grounded in reality and very believable but you, it takes you on an emotional roller coaster so you, but on the page that reads very simply. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it goes from emotional scene to emotional scene to emotional scene. So you can't really envisage it until you watch the uh, the final product. And uh-huh. uh, also because everyone was wearing masks, um, it meant there was a real focus on the acting. Yeah. You know, so it was like an operating theatre. And my ego, I fucking love that. <laughs> what I am about to do is very, very, very important. And full of fragility, complexity, and finesse. <laughs> or whatever, you know. But I love, the, I love the extra focus on the work. Yeah. With no one being busy around about, you know. Yeah. Just walk out before every take, like you're about to watch a masterpiece. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> you know, just that, that thing of that, that thing of. Um, I mean, when I saw who the cast were, I realised it was going to be quality as well. Of course. But I, I mean, also, I thought fucking Sean Bean and Stephen Graham. I've got to treat them like they're both my bitches. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> but that's not easy when you think about they're two tough guys. Yeah. You know? They are. You play it, you play it well though, man. <laughs> but, you know. It's just well, anyway, so um <laughs> I, I so I, I really enjoyed it. But the interesting part was my role was written as a kind of straight down the line, Mr. Big, tough guy in the prison wing mm-hmm. who runs who runs the wing. So I started playing him as someone, well, because well, what I thought was, whenever I've been in the same room 
as a drug dealer. What is frightening about them is not that they're tougher or harder than you. It's that you suddenly go, wait a minute, all rules of morality and decency have evaporated in this room. Yeah. I am potentially this man's prey, and I can yeah. feel it in his attitude and the way he looks at me. So it's more of being a, a ratty scavenger than being a tough guy. Of course. No, but that, that that's you you do that with a lot of your characters, don't you? Because I mean, I don't want to I don't want to hark back to the line of duty thing because I know that you've been rinsed by by interviews no, about right. line of duty. But you did the same for for your character in line of duty, didn't you? You approached that in a completely different way. Yeah, well, he was written as a master villain, but the point is, what's more frightening? Because we are telling a story in drama, we dress the tough guy, the master villain. Look at the James Bond villains. They've all, every of them's got fucking something wrong with them. All of them. You know? <laughs> They're all a bit weird. And uh, and so what I realised with Line of Duty was, you know, there are under the, uh, under the counter brothels and drug dealers and whatever in every major town and city. Yeah. So they don't all dress like Bond villains and yeah. behave like Bond villains. It's much more frightening if this is the guy that could be behind you in the queue at Seven Eleven. Yeah. Who just? Yeah. yeah. And can I also just say, I, I loved how you used Seven <laughs> Eleven for the for the, for our American co-host. I needed it. It helped, yeah. really helped me visualize it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just keep telling stories and you critique them, and you're a baldy bastard. <laughs> 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 There he is! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nice <Yeah>. question! <laughs> so, Bri, where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from a place called Carluc. It's about 25 miles southeast of Glasgow. Uh, and you were born there? No, I was born in Bells Hill in the first eight years. I was in a place called Motherwell. All right. And then my my father's job changed and I moved to Carlook from age of eight. For uh, for those of us in America, what is that region of Scotland like known for? Um, well, what it's known for um, is it used to be steel and coal, but those industries don't exist anymore. Mm. Um, it's not known for anything. Two miles away is Lanark. And what it's known for is... Um, then 1297, but this is a statue of William Wallace outside the front of the church. So they must have made an exception for William Wallace. <laughs> they like that revenge story. <laughs> yeah. Like this speaks to us. <laughs> yeah, so that's what that that's from that's from two miles away from when I where I grew up. Excellent. Um, in Lanark. That's an ancient town. Yeah. 
And well, now Carl Luke's known for Brian McCarty. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like now the region is known as where Brian McCarty grew up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that at all. No, I'm just basking yeah. in it like that's, that's true. Okay, pause for a second. It's time for everyone's favorite game Talking Scots. As always, for this segment, we welcome our producer Kathleen on Brian. The way Talking Scots work is we will ask you for just just the word completely out of context. And then Kathleen and I will try to guess what it is. And then as a lifeline, you are welcome to give it to us in a sentence. But to get us started, the word of the day is... Gallus. 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 It's a good, it's a good word. Isn't there a character in Outlander called Gallus? Yes. Yes, there is. Great. I'm going to use that as my inspiration for what I think this word means. Because <laughs> I was going to say callus would be my go-to, but that's not... That seems I mean, like that too would... on the nose. That would be my go-to, and that would kind of describe Galus a little bit, right? So what do you think it is, then? I'm going to go off of the root word of maybe being, like, gall. I'm going to say that it means that you're, like, you have the audacity. You're, you're strong-willed is what I will. And I'm going to go with, like, more of, like, you're Gregorius. Like, more of, like... You're very, you're big, and you're above, like. So you're yours. Adam. <laughs> no, no, I would, I'd give that more to Brian. Like, well, you got to have like, um, very sociable would be gregarious. Social, yes. Are either of us close? Probably not. You're, you're kind of not really. But you're in, you're <laughs> in, you're in the the right area, kind of. Okay. Uh, Can you use it right. in a sentence for us? Uh, Beyonce at the at the halftime Super Bowl show was. Gallus as fuck. She was strong. That could go two ways. That could go two ways. It depends on your opinion about Beyonce. Um, there is only one opinion to have about Beyonce. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say like I already said strong willed. Like ballin'. I'm gonna say Yeah, like um, Prince epitomized Gallus. Oh, ostentatious and, or like, not ostentatious. Just confident? Like, confident, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like pimp my ride. It's just, oh, it's, ooh, gaudy, gaudy. It's daring. You know what I mean? Like, like David Bowie was gallus. Prince was gallus. James Brown is gallus. It's having that sparkle, like a twinkle in the eye of slightly naughty, Possibly illegal, but 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 special bold, but, but boldness, special boldness, uh, and swag. There we go. You yeah. guys. Oh, like swagger. Yeah. I'm gonna go like ahead and swag. say that I get the point mm. because no, I said no. bold, I don't think either of us get a point. Bold and daring, or like like all of those yeah, things fit in right into area. it. But I said yeah. Gregorius and like a big personality. Yeah, but where you fall down is that Gregorius isn't a word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Gregarious. For oh, fuck me. <laughs> Gregorius is like those Gregorian monks. Gregorian chants. So Gregorius. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was going so, for. Yeah, so yeah. whatever the fuck, you lost. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, Gregorian uh, Gregorian monks are known, known for being, for being bold, gallus. 
and outspoken yeah. and ostentatious. Those mm-hmm. ostentatious monks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm calling it. Point to me. So, Brian, tell us then today, because like we we don't know when our guests come on, we don't know what you guys are going to talk about. So it's like a nice surprise. So tell us why you are here today and what you're going to talk about. Well, uh, why I'm here is to talk about um, a community mm-hmm. or, or a project or an idea um, called New Lanark. Now, this is one uh, one and a half miles away from the ancient town of Lanark. Uh-huh. And uh, in the 18th century, so, and before your declaration of independence, they started, they built a community around a water mill there to make cotton. And it, it, they tried revolutionary ways of, of, of building. Of an, up until that point, it had been, look, there's a supply of poor people for labour and, you know, if they die, they die and then move them out of the way and carry on and the next person comes in. Yeah. Now, this the concept here was to look after their welfare. So they built a school and uh, a nursery and a cooperative shop, a local shop for their groceries and butchers, but your meat and all that. And... Uh, and gave them electricity and tried to do it a different way by looking after the workforce. Right. Um, okay. And it became world famous. And it's one of six heritage, world, UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Scotland. Oh, amazing. New Lanark. Just because of the groundbreaking idea of, of not just churn and burning all of your laborers. <laughs> Well, that was at the time of uh, the industrialization of Europe and then America, and the whole notion of taking care of your employees at all yeah. uh, was foreign. So this was a this was a revolutionary um, way of going about things. I mean, because they also had their own agriculture in this little. It was like a commune. Except, obviously, it's 18th century Scotland, so they're not sharing the profits. But but they looked after their workforce, and they came and was studied as a model from around the world. All right. So, like, so that then progressed on to other what businesses like over the over the globe. Yeah, they came and studied that as a model because it was more profitable as well because the workers were healthy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and fed. Yeah, less uh, downtime at the mill if everyone is fully functioning and well-fed. Yeah, yeah, so that's what it's famous for. Excellent. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, anything else with, with regards to that? Nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's all. That's still be interesting, but that's all. <laughs> is uh, is New Lanark uh, today? Is it still 
kind of that like so, so well, sort of socialism utopia if you will well it ran as a mill until 1968 um and then it became dilapidated and uh then uh, they've restored it and turned it into a tourist attraction. And it gets hundreds of thousands of people visiting it a year. But the only thing about it is, is that there's nothing around about it. You would have to make a special trip to go and see it. Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, and even if, even if you go to see it, like, what is there? Like, it's a, I mean, I'm sure it's a beautiful town, but it's, a, it's a, basically what you would be going to see, the mill. Like the mill on the river. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Of, of how life was then. So it's it's seeing what life was like in the mid 18th century in this community. So that's what the that's why it's a tourist attraction. Because you were in fucking mud huts in Jamestown killing the natives at the time. <laughs> it was our it was our favorite pastime for a really long time. <laughs> we were doing that and other other cultures were thriving and actually contributing to society i get it yeah yeah that's exactly how i was, what I was saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know if there was any kind of companies or was there any kind of famous spin-off companies that took that model and went forward do you know Oh, it was, it was because it was all about social reform, uh, but for profit. Um, it was t- it was literally adopted around the world. Yeah. Because it was a massive, massive um, leap forward into the dark. Yeah. You know. So capitalism yeah. were like, we can make money off this because we're keeping everyone alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, but they started. Uh, started the cooperative movements uh-huh. for the workers, and there was cooperative banking for a while as well. So it really was giving dignity to these people who, up until that point, were treated as utterly disposable and interchangeable. And so it's early. You said we're in early eighteen hundreds, right? Or did you? Or... It was seventeen seventy one, really. Okay. Wow, so very much ahead, uh, very much ahead of the treating treating workers with any respect. Very much ahead. That's of the my point. Yeah. That's that's my point. We're like a century from like the like from May Day or from a uh, labor like the first Labor Day and the labor movement in. Uh, there we go. Now you understand what I'm, the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. This was. This was a this I've just not made it very well. This, this no, was, I just got lost in the timeline, which happens yeah, a lot. No, yeah, no, that's right. It's a, in other words, this community is out of place because it's a hundred years early. That's wild, right? isn't it? In the middle of nowhere, twenty-five miles southeast of Glasgow, in a country valley, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But then, but we, we had a guest on last week, uh, Brian, Gillian um, uh, Mannion. Uh, she's a, a, a screenwriter, but she came on and spoke about the Picts. And she was saying that um, even back then, uh, it was a very kind of socialist way of thinking. And it's been something that's, it's, that's, that's been a mainstay in Scottish history 
like harking back to the dark ages, a very kind of socialist outlook. So and 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 you look you compare that to you compare that to the maps of like now when it comes to politics, and there's still that you know the disparity between you know England Scotland. Uh, with what kind of, mm. what, what political parties that we vote for, so it's uh, it's it's interesting that you you've brought this up because uh, that ties in with everything that she was saying last week as well. Well, I mean, I think there's something in our collective identity. Yeah, I mean, the clans elected who the leader of their clan would be, and they would would elect who. The king was. That's like electing senators and 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 presidents, yeah, or prime ministers, you know. So that's ancient with us. I think that in, there is something in the Scottish character where someone or any group who do well are seen as fortunate, but no more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't impinge on our identity, which is. We are all as valuable as each other. So that's a very socialist Absolutely. outlook in the world. Rather yeah. than rather than, you know, like the, the English self-identity is for English exceptionalism to kind of vaguely look down on the rest of the world for being a lesser thing. <laughs> the American self-identity is to do still to do with being a pioneer, with taking each person, each person individually, like whack-a-mole, can pop, very occasionally pop up and fulfil from the outside what, what would look to be the American dream. And then pull up the ladder behind them. That's the American right. dream, is to get up there and pull up the ladder. Right, there's that saying of America's, uh, that I heard from when I was young, which is uh, America is a, a fabulous, incredible, pl- a, a complex and, a, and fascinating place. Don't get old and don't get sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So that thing of leaving the weak or the old elderly behind is, a, is, is, a, is part of the American setup, identity. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I got onto that, but there we go. Well, it's interesting because you're, you're, would we consider kind of by today's standards, New Lanark to have been like a company town where, because obviously not completely a socialist utopia because we're not sharing the profits, but we're at least taking care of each other. Um, would it be, was the town considered a, a sort of company town where everything in the town is supporting each other? Yes, that's is- exactly what it was. Okay. That's exactly what it was. That's interesting because yeah. it's like to that to that end and bringing up uh, England and America. In America, like a lot of company towns failed. They were considered this like edgy experiment, again, a full century after New Lanark had achieved it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And like there's in Chicago, the most famous, one of the most famous like failed company towns in America happens. I'm in Chicago right now was Pullman, Illinois, which was just south of Chicago. And it was George Pullman's little manufacturing complex in town that was for the mm. the Pullman palace cars, the Pullman cars on the train, the railroad sleeping cars. Yeah. And right. It, and it, it, it was a beautiful dream, but it did not 
succeed. They, the people who lived there were still very much under George Pullman's sort of capitalist rule because it was it was somebody making this thing for capitalist gain versus actually supporting the people in the town. It was more of, if I build you this town, you'll work harder and you'll be more productive because you won't have to commute. All of your parks, all of your schools will all be in this town. But it was done... It feels like it was done more from the perspective of how can I entrap my workers in a 4,000 acre radius and keep them working and happy versus just how can I keep them happy? Sure, there was a bit of both in it. The other thing is to say is that Robert Owen, who then brought in, he was the original purchaser, the original owner's son-in-law, and he was the one that really brought in a kind of socialist utopia idea of uh, of this community. He then went to New Harmony, Indiana, and built a similar community there in the 1820, in 1820. So he tried it in America as well, and that lasted for two years, and then that community failed. But New Harmony in Indiana went on from that beginning. And it built, I think it was the uh, the first public library in America. Interesting. Yeah. And um, what else did they, did they do? They had a drama club. And, and I'm drama, even then. <laughs> yeah. In New Harmony, Indiana. <laughs> right? This Whopping was in 1824. All right. That's exactly what they were doing. Doing it, don't you mock? You're for Dundee. <laughs> yeah. Right. So don't you mock anyone? Well, mate, Ever. jam and journalism. Three J's. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what I mean. Yeah, we're talking about a drama club in the town and a public school system. That's in 1824 in New Harmony, Indiana. That was the same guy. Damn. So in that case, yeah, like the like Pullman town, which I was talking about, was just trying to do what they had done in Scotland and in Indiana. Just like no ideas are original anymore because <laughs> Pullman, Illinois had a library and a theater. But yeah, their problem was that when uh, when the shit hit the fan and the economy started to tank in the late 1800s. Uh, Pullman didn't re- didn't reduce rents. He was like, "You're still in my town. Less of you have jobs, but you still owe me rent." Right. That's basically what happened during this um, pandemic. Yup. People were still having to pay rent, even though people with mortgages were getting help. Yeah. That's about it. So how? Why, why do you? Why do we think it is then that when there's when there's clear unequivocal evidence that a socialist kind of setup works because they've done it in a in, in new lanark in scotland and then they went to indiana but then in america it was kind of failing all over the place like what why why is that if it was working if it worked so well over here i was i would say that i think that that didn't it failed in america and it didn't fail across the board like there have been some more successful company towns but yeah. the the aim for them doesn't maybe this is me as an american being like the problem is always capitalism yeah. i assume that in 
America, the goal was so tunnel vision capitalist gain that poor decisions were made because the plan was never for the betterment of the workers or for the benefit of the workers. At the Mm -hmm. end of the day, it was always, how can we, the select few, make more money? Yeah. Also, I imagine that in the late 1800s, when the labor movement kicked up more and there was a lot of strikes, I imagine that that it was then not beneficial to have all of your workers in one geographic location to organize mm-hmm. for striking. Like, I bet that the industries were like, ooh, yeah, it was convenient that nobody had commutes and that yeah. like we were supporting them and they were in this town and they were nearby the factory, but now it's way too easy for them to organize against us. So I wonder if that was a contributor yeah. in the decline of company towns in America. Yeah, possibly. It's always the bottom line with capitalism, isn't it? Capitalism ruins the party constantly. Well, you know, I mean, uh, I don't really have any opinion about that other than that these, I mean, I think in Europe and in America, it's about finding a balance. And I don't think, I don't think very many countries get it anywhere near right. I mean, I think that I think that in the Scandinavian countries are the most enlightened and modern countries that I can think of. Yeah. But but we certainly don't have it right in Scotland at all. No, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, we we always we always hark back to the Scandinavian countries, don't we? Because they do have a lot of it right. Mm-hmm. They they you know. Mm. But I I think it might come down to the fact that. In Scotland, we well, we don't really have the full um, powers to implement things, do we? There's a lot of uh, retained power down in Westminster, so um, I think it causes a bit of f- friction um, with the devolved governments. Yeah, well, we're, we're only in charge of 13% of our own economy, yeah. and we're not in charge of our borders or our coastline or our own defence strategy either. So we're not in charge of ourselves as a country. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we, I mean, the ones that control us, you know, by by trial and error, controlled about half the world for a while. And they still use the same tactics now. So, I mean, our, our problem is we can't fill fully realize ourselves as a as a country. Scotland can't be can't have a full sense of its own worth until we're in charge of ourselves. That's it's not true. possible. Yeah. So, you and know. It's like, you know, and we show we show time and time again throughout history that we can do it. Like with your like original point, which was New Lanark, do you know what I mean? Like we had the the foresight to start that and try it and it was successful. Because we are brought up to believe that the stuff that we've got will be rubbish or substandard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. There is a there is a, there is a kind of subservience that um, you know it's like oh we can't do that we can't we just nah there's no point you just crack on we we'll, we won't bother and 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 it's ironic because you know you've got books like the Scottish Enlightenment that go into detail as to, to what Scotland has kind of given to the the world. And uh, and and it's like we don't we don't beat that drum. We 
we don't we we kind of like just it's like we're almost embarrassed to talk about it so we just don't yeah well that's what i mean we we are not we're not fully realized as a country it's just as simple as that oh do you know let's 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 take a little bit of a pause right because i want to check in with um how with how your scottish accent's getting on you're the How only. You're on? the only one who wants to check in. No one else. No one else. <laughs> I know, wants but to check it's in. like one of my favourite bits. So, how is it? How has it been going? It's fair. We bully you a lot, so this is your chance to really <laughs> bully me. Uh, we'll bring our producer Kathleen back on to tell me what my what my line is today, Kathleen. Yes. Um. Due to the efforts, we'll say, and the difficulty that may have been displayed in previous weeks. Uh, Adam and I felt that maybe we would give you a little what we considered more of a layup. So instead of giving you a quote from some arbitrary like teen drama movie from the early 2000s, I'm going to give you a quote from the movie Braveheart from 1995. <laughs> I'm trying to make it easy. I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. Uh, that quote, I know you'll never guess it, <laughs> but that quote is, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. All right, I want to start by saying that why is it a layup if I can't even go listen to the it the way it was delivered in the film and recreate it because Mel wasn't spot on. Well, yeah, I mean he was Australian, but it's you know. On with it. <laughs> Let's yeah. eat it. He wants he wants to pass judgment and he wants to do it now. They may take our lives, but they but they'll never take a, take our freedom. I couldn't even get the line out. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Say it again. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Go on, do it, say it again. They may, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. I have to, I have to go real fast at the back end because I can't do a, I can't tap my R's. <laughs> well, first R didn't sound as terrible the first time you did it. Do you know, Brian, you've not been here. This is the first week you've been here and that's actually all right. <laughs> Last week I was Irish. <laughs> Go on, Bry, you're the guest. What's your judgment? I thought she sounded like an elderly Chinese lady <laughs> that had lived in uh, a, a colonial stately house, house kind of thing in Hong Kong and picked up like little bits and pieces of the Scottish accent, Scottish words. And was trying to ingratiate himself. I mean, that is that exactly is what I was going for. That's what I was going for. It's right on the nose. That's what I thought it sounded like. Uh. <laughs> That's an amazing description. I wish viewers could see, I wish listeners could see uh, that apparently when Natalie and I laugh, we both do the same thing with our hand over our mouth. I was trying not to blow out my mic. Because uh, I already blew it out with that amazing Scottish accent. <laughs> We're doing uh-huh. it. I'm going like way back in time, but uh, just my ears perked up, Adam, when you asked if there was any kind of modern... Uh, companies or corporations or, or towns that maybe maybe took a hint from New Lanark and are still around today. And I don't know if either of you guys have ever heard of the Mondragon Corporation in uh, Basque country. Mm-mm. No. No. It's a, it's, I think, the largest 
co-op, a worker cooperative, um, or yeah. one of them um, in, in the world. And it's been around since the 50s, since the 1950s. And there, it does kind of have those notes of kind of the company town sort of thing because they have, there's a university, a technical college in the town that basically feeds the corporation itself. So you can go to this technical college and you basically then have a guaranteed job at the, at the, at the, at Mondragon Corporation. I mean, you look at now, at, um, you read about this, about Silicon Valley's efforts to take care of the whole person about their workforce. And it can, that can either be seen as uh, Orwellian and frightening, but it's also holistic. And it, and it can be a bit of both. But mm -hmm. the point is that all comes from you, Lanark. There was no concept of such a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what made it world famous. Yeah. Well, and also, yeah, just like the whether or not there's there's whether you trust that the company actually has the interests of their employees in mind or whether it is entrapment, for lack of a better word of like, we're going to if everything you need is here, you can always be working, never stop working, <laughs> working all the time, because that feels like the Silicon Valley way of just oh yeah trapping oh, you yeah. in the I'm, job i'm not saying it's necessarily a good thing but obviously the aim of this community was utopian so their aim was to help people who had nothing you know yeah so they so everything is relative and of its time yeah but the foundations well as you've already kind of stipulated it was the foundations for future kind of commerce mm -hmm. uh, which yeah. is fascinating yeah or at least mildly distracting <laughs> <laughs> isn't that what interesting history is it's like so <laughs> history is history is either i feel like we're history is always either here's this here's this thing that happened in the past and let let us scare you with it so you'll never go down that path again or here's this thing that happened in the past that worked and it worked well. And why the fuck aren't we still doing that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And the same thing, I but I was going to say the same thing with like New Lanark that now we're like, wow, we were doing that. We did that so long ago and it took a century for anyone else to catch on. Yeah. yeah. And then I know. over a century later and we've all but abandoned that idea in most in most I mean, nations. like socialism has been vilified, isn't it? It's like mm -hmm. demonized. It's like, oh, it doesn't work. It never works. It, socialism just fails. And that's what we're told by people with a capitalist mindset that kind of feeds the status quo. That's why socialism, you know, it's never spoken about in a positive way. That's what I'm telling you. Look at, look at the Mondragon Corporation. It's fascinating. It is still crushing it and killing it. It's responsible for, like, the employment and... Uh, welfare of that most of that region yeah yeah i mean i mean i i mean the, one of the things that hanker when people hanker after scottish independence is we would we know we would have laws which would look after everyone that we wouldn't be tolerating politicians 
whose naked self-interest oozes out of them as they're, as they're trying to commandeer the resources for the very few. Yeah. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't allow that or tolerate it as a country. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I just kind of looked up why um, New Lanark was maybe was like kind of predestined to fail, which seems like a negative point of view to be at. But it all a lot of it boils down to what you had said, Brian, of that it wasn't actually the core purpose behind it wasn't the actual empowerment of the working class. It was there they weren't profit sharing and it, the goal was never to actually empower the working class that was never the core goal of it and it's you could say similar things to about the way we're all governed where a lot of it is lip service or it looks really good it's a putting lipstick on a pig of like oh that looks like a really great wonderful dream but if the if mm. it's if the core of it is in the wrong place then it is maybe predestined to fail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe that maybe that's true. I don't know. When we get down to the kernel of it, uh, up to the crux of things, the whole idea is: do other people matter at all, or do they not? Mm-hmm. You know, it's as simple as that in the end. And uh, I think in Scotland we have that thing of. Uh, a society is judged by how it treats its weakest. Yeah, it's very expensive to. Uh, it's expensive to, to. It's expensive to be sick, and it's expensive to die in America. Fucking it's hell. also very expensive to be born in America. Right. Like right. having a child. People are like, why are less people in my generation having children? It's like, have you seen like what we pay if we get like a cold? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's therefore how uh, some American employers get power when we're talking about New Lanark. How many American employers get control over their workforce by the use of, well, health insurance. So they would lose their family's health and dental insurance. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a coercive control thing that we don't have in scotland nor in the uk it's that it's it comes down to that question for all the company towns for new lanark and even and for and obviously for the way we do business today of whether things that we consider are quote-unquote benefits of the job are being provided to us because that's what i think is funny is that they're healthcare benefits like congratulations there's a benefit for you and it's like no here's a human right to here's a human right to healthcare. yeah yeah um, of yeah. whether those things are provided because the employer actually cares. That's, well, but that's what I mean about the American pioneer spirit. Mm-hmm. It's it's still a case of, you know, 300 years later, it's still a case of some people will thrive, the vast majority will not, and that's unfortunate for you. Yeah. End of story. What an uplifting conversation this has been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, history it history is. often isn't, but just it's always fun whenever we're like, here are all of the ways that we have continued to fail humanity. And we almost did good, and then we dropped the ball. 
Yeah, but it also I seems know. like they're like, look at all these examples of it actually working. Let's yeah. not work hard at that. <laughs> it is so much easier to see all of the ways that it could fail than to even remember the one time or the <sighs> dozen of times that it went well. True. Do do you have anything else to add about New Lanark? No, I mean it's not that interesting. It's only interesting. <laughs> it's only interesting to me because it was just up the road from where I was brought up. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting though because it, you know basically it's the model for, as you say, it became world famous and it became a model for business and commerce. So that is like another kind of yeah. it's just another like feather in the cap for the forward thinking and, and the education. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Brian, have you been? Have you been to? Because there's a there's a hotel in the mill. Have you ever visited or stayed in New Lanark? I've only ever seen it on Google. <laughs> I mean, it's the cheapest way to travel, so that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, quick. I mean, yeah, we pass by it all the time, but it's down in a valley. You would have to make a special. Uh, you trip to visit it. Well, I'll have to. I'll have to visit it on via the Google as well. Let's all. Yeah. Let's well, all take I mean, a it trip. Is all, it is. It is interesting and important and noteworthy. You know. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. is all of those things. Well, Brian, thank you so much for for coming on and sharing this. I love that it's a story that's like close to where you grew up. It's so easy to to go like history anything in history and go and go like big or far further away even if we're limiting ourselves to to specifically scottish history there's also just like so much time to cover there that i love that Mm. you chose something that is literally close to home yeah yes exactly yeah man thank you so much for coming on spending time with us and uh and telling us that like you know another fascinating nugget of scottish history you're very welcome both of you I I don't think you can watch time yet in the States. Well, no, I would say that in America it will come on to, I would imagine, on BBC America, but, you know, you're, um, it's, it's called Time by Jimmy McGovern, and it's, uh, it's uh, almost like a documentary, yeah. uh, but it's a drama about uh, life in prison. In the northwest of England, yes. you know, uh, three parter, and it's very, very good. But it's 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 a beautiful piece of work. Um, thank you, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on under the kilt, and until next time, until the next time under the kilt, stay breezy. <laughs> <laughs> Threaten people to come back. Yeah. Or else. <laughs> stay breezy or don't stay breezy and see what happens to you. Oh no. Tech talk. Tech fucking talk. <laughs> oh. oh man. Um you can I forgot to say that you can follow us at under the kilt pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh but <laughs> I just want I don't don't follow us. Just stay breezy. Is apparently <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Just stay breezy. A complicated cannot be. This episode of Under the Kilt was edited by Natalie Younger and produced by Kathleen Mueller Mason. 
Original theme by Tyler Collins, aka Two Meter Man. Additional music by Gareth Spin. Original art by Sarah Cruz. Thank you again to our guest, Brian McCarty, and to the girls at Shared History. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.